My name is Scott Challoner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As our regular listeners by now will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And as we record this particular episode on September the 14th, 2022, we mourn the passing of one of our most beloved and cherished leaders in the form of Her Majesty the Queen, who served the country with such immense devotion throughout the entirety of her life. I'm joined on today's programme by Andy Colton, the founder and CEO of Hope Energy UK, a business which is on a mission to tackle climate change by becoming the UK's greenest energy provider. And of course, with energy security and the move toward uh, green energy being huge on the agenda at the moment, I'm sure this is going to be a very compelling one indeed. Um, Andy, a very warm welcome to you. And by all means, thanks for joining us on the show. It's a pleasure having you. My absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for inviting me, Scott. Looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise, Andy. Looking forward to it as well. Now, um, Hope Energy, um, obviously, um, it's a business that not everybody tuning into this podcast might necessarily be familiar with. So just in your own words, I know I've given a very brief overview of what you do, but what, in your own words, is it that you sort of specialise in in the energy sector from your perspective? Yeah, so it's one of those, given we're, we're not live and we're pre-revenue. If you, if you have heard of it and you're listening, massive thumbs up. Thank you. Um, so in, in short, Scott, so we're looking to be, uh, as you mentioned, the greenest energy provider. So that's, you know, energy supplier. Uh, and it's, when we started this journey a couple of, just over two years ago now, most people didn't really care about energy. But I think suddenly everyone now cares about energy. Mm. Um, and in, in, its, in its shortest sense, um, most suppliers, just like Hope Energy, are uh, re- energy re- retailers. So we buy wholesale energy and we sell it retail. Um, a few of the biggest suppliers generate as well, but uh, and, and we have ambitions to do that ourselves. But at the outset, would be would be a, a supplier. So we buy wholesale energy, and in particular, the greenest of wholesale energy. So directly from wind farms, solar farms, and the like, and then we sell that retail mainly to B two C, but also some some B two B. And again, without going into too much detail, there's, there's a fair amount of, and this is uh, the media's words, not mine, a fair amount of greenwashing that can happen with mm. um, some, some of the some of the energy supplies that claim to be 100% renewable. But when you look at where do they buy their wholesale energy from, it's it's not from 100% renewable sources. So mm. we want to do it right. We want to do it properly. That's the only way we're going to, you know, hit our net zero targets and, and ideally quicker than than the targets we've set. So. Yeah, and I, sp- I suppose the net zero thing is a little bit of a uh, of a concern, isn't it? Um, considering the uh, the issues that we currently got around energy security, because um, I suppose there's been given what's going yeah. on in Ukraine, there is that concern to kind of you know plug the shortfalls in the immediate term, both sort of in the uh, the UK to an extent, and but mostly in Europe. And what we don't want is for that to sort of come at the cost of our climate goals, do we? Because we're already seeing from, yeah. the, new, um, we're seeing from the new Prime Minister, aren't we? Talk of fracking, we're talk of uh, sort of more licences to go and um, explore fossil fuels in the North Sea. So what are your yeah. sort of thoughts on that? It's, it's a hard square to circle, isn't it? That I think you've hit the nail on the head. So on the one hand, we've got yeah, fr- fracking licences, a lot more North Sea um, oil and gas licences being being given out by, by the government. But on the flip side, you know, net zero. The, the thing with net zero as well is that, you know, ambitions for 2050 mm. is all well and good, but we, we need to do it sooner. So, so I'm a big believer in um, the reports that the IPCC, the UN, the IPCC put out, which pretty much say that if we're not tackling it by 2030, then we could well be, you know, reaching points of no return. Um, and so I, I think it's uh, it's bit of an opportunity miss because the thing is as well if you think about it so even if today a, a license was given out for somebody to go drill some you know some um some oil and gas mm. 
that doesn't take I, that, that takes years of planning, years of exploration before you'll get anything out of the ground anyway. Um, so it's, it, is that going to help in our short-term crisis that we're in now? And the answer is, the answer is no. Um, whereas so, there, are, there are other things that could have been done. Um, don't get me wrong, I think the government had to do something and I'm glad they've done something because otherwise people were going to die this summer, uh, this summer, this winter, mm. this winter, people yeah. were going to die from you know the whole heating versus heating or neither. So it's good that they've done something, but there was no mention of insulation. Um, mm. And we've got one of the poorest uh, housing stocks when it comes to insulation. I, I really think that was an opportunity missed because there could have been a, a lot done in that space, uh, which which could be done now. You know, that doesn't have to be, that won't take years of, uh, of development. So it's one of those, I think, uh, the detail is still, is still somewhat missing. I think it's still somewhat sketchy on, on, on all the government plans and, and, uh, to be fair, you know, the passing of the Majesty has no doubt had an impact on that. Yeah. But um, but we do need we do need more plans. So yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm I'm I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a bit concerned. I mm. wasn't a bit concerned because I think what, one further thing just to go on the, the thing with the um, drilling more oil and gas out of the North Sea or, or even or even fracking and fracking by the way has no traction and has very little there's very little science behind it to, to suggest in the UK it's going to be you know, a great solution, unlike in the US. Mm. Um, even if, even if we were able to get, you know, some oil and gas out fracking and from the North Sea, these are international commodities. So unless we were to drastically change the way we run our energy sector, which I don't see on the cards, mm. then all we're doing really is increasing the supply by dropping the ocean. Because we, the reason our energy bills are so high is because internationally, globally, energy prices are high, gas prices are high. If we if we drill more, uh, you know, gas and oil from the North Sea, that's not necessarily going to come to the UK mm. because it's, that's not a UK body. That's you know, it's not a government body. It's not a nationalised service. So I think some of, some of this is a little bit maybe smoke and mirrors, um, or, or maybe marketing to appease some some people who are interested in that type of thing, but. Um, net, net zero really should be the focus, in my in my humble opinion. But I would say that. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're absolutely right in the sense that, you know, we, we're lacking kind of an all-encompassing sort of energy strategy, aren't we, that's taking insulation into account along with various other things. And obviously it's the passing... It's piecemeal, isn't it? Yeah, and the passing yeah. of the Queen has also delayed that um, a little bit somewhat because uh, the mini-budget, which is supposed to be announced before the end of September, it will be announced before the end of September, but there's a short window for that to come to sort of justify how it's going to be financed. So obviously we'll find out a little yeah. bit more about that in due course for sure. Yeah, and I think on the finance point of view... The numbers, the numbers mentioned are absolutely eye-watering. You know, mm. 100 billion, 150 billion are the numbers that I've and I've seen. That's just, you know, such a big amount of money when you compare it to furlough or even, you know, the 2008 crash. These are humongous numbers, um, and at, and at best, it's going to solve the, the problem for two years mm. uh, because this is, you know, and for those listening who may not necessarily know the details, the gist of it is uh, for domestic customers. It will cap our bills for the average customer. And it's, again, keen to stress this is the average customer. This is not for everybody. Uh, so someone using, you know, the, the average com- consumption a year, £2,500 is their, is their cap on their bill mm. for two years. So it's going to cap our bills for two years. And for business, certain business customers, there'll be a cap of six months. But mm. after that, if we're still in a, in a place where energy prices are still insanely high, then what? Because we've spent all the money and... Are we going to put another hundred billion pound in? So it's 
it's it's it's a risk it's a risky uh, approach and it's hoping that it all turns good within two years um and yeah. there's no guarantee of that well, that's exactly it, isn't it? I mean, there's no, there's no guarantee, obviously, that the uh, the crisis in Ukraine will be solved by that point. There's no guarantee that supply will have increased either. So it it is a risk. I mean, it's um it's kind of banking on the fact, isn't it, that everything's going to be fine within the two years. Yeah. But, um, just going back to the point you made earlier around sort of net zero being the immediate priority. I mean, I think almost the uh the short term plug is kind of almost it's it's become the smoke, hasn't it? And um, it's kind of taking focus away from the need to look at the uh, the net zero agenda again and i think that had almost yeah. kind of been thrust back into the limelight almost by the impact of the pandemic because people had become far more aware of the impact that you know we're having on the climate and that was a huge indicator of um, exactly what uh, what that can do um and what we're seeing as well is that people maybe um, obviously they're worried about their bills but there's still some of that concern, isn't there, that, you know, we need to be going about this in a sustainable way and pushing renewables forward now. If we're going to bolster energy security, yeah. that's the sort of thing we really need to be start to looking at ramping up rather than the short-term, more polluting fixes, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and again, I think there's two sides to that. I think there's one which is consume less. Mm. So again, insulation is a massive, you know, a massive part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not just being, uh, you know, thrifty. I mean, great, be thrifty if you can. And save and save your money, but you know insulation is a, a real big uh, part to play. But then you're you're right, in, increasing renewables. Now there is the the point of intermittency, which always gets brought up. So you know, yes. what about when the sun doesn't shine and and the wind doesn't blow? Um, and that is that is something uh, that is a, a problem that does need to be solved. But there are potential solutions out there that again need need massive investment. So one could be you know hydrogen. A lot of people talk about hydrogen. Mm. Um, again, I'd argue. Make sure it's green hydrogen, so you know you're producing it from. Because typically, hydrogen, what is it? It's a, it's a you know, big electrolyzer. You, you've got to zap some water to produce your hydrogen, uh, you, but you've got to zap it with some some energy. Where do you get the energy from? Mm. So, as long as it's from renewables, then uh, you know, green hydrogen is, is a good thing. Big scale storage batteries, so big old batteries, uh, again, is another one has its yeah. own challenges. But there are but there are solutions out there. Um, but I think again they need scaling and they need um, investment. And I think part of the there has been investment in renewables and has been investment in some of this technology, but there hasn't been a hundred billion pounds worth of investment. Yes, exactly. I, I, I really do. I really do feel there's just a missed a, a missed opportunity here. Um, with could not some of that huge amount of money gone into again helping reduce consumption insulation. You know, and then starting to really, really nail some of these, um, some of the challenges with renewables, so the intermittency. Can we have more microgrids, you know, decentralized mini grids, community energy setups? Yeah. So again, we're not all reliant on, on, on one another. So, um, yeah, and I think to your point, Scott, the, the net zero, the net zero question. Certainly, when we did our research at Hope Energy, when we were looking to enter the market initially, um, looking at well, who, what kind of customers want this? When you look at the stats of why do people change energy suppliers again B to D, it's cost. Yeah. Mainly it's cost. That is number one. Always has been, and probably always will be. But number two now is green green energy. You know, having a green energy supply. And in the past, yeah. it used to be customer service, or it might have been, uh, you know, some nice technology or something like that. But now it's pretty clear that it's it's been it's being green. And I think it's still really important, especially for the generation coming, because it's going to impact them even more. Um, yeah, and so I think we'd be missing would be missing a trick by only concentrating on this you know tiny window of the next few months, uh, and and forgetting and forgetting uh, 
you know, net, net zero. Because again, the, the longer we leave it, the harder it the harder it is. We could have done something mm. about it 20 years ago and it'd been much easier and much cheaper and we didn't, you know, so, um, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're very, very right, and you you are right. The younger generations, like you know, the uh, the millennials, the Gen Z. I mean, it is they yeah. are far more purpose driven, aren't they? Especially with sort of where they buy their uh, their commodities from, where they purchase their energy. So it's it's hugely relevant to them. And I think uh, if if you don't obviously like say move with the times, I mean, you are going to be left behind in that regard. And it will be the green energy suppliers Correct. eventually that do sort of uh, succeed in the marketplace. It's just whether or not it's going to be sort of too late for the carbon goals, as it were. But um, yeah, a lot I of think, people. Yeah, carry on. I was just going to say, I think, yeah. I think if there was a if there was a silver lining from from the energy crisis, I think it is the level of education of people that people have around energy and where mm. it comes from and how it's made and you know how it how that whole system works, which is com- it is complex. You know, it's. I, I remember when I first got into the energy world, knocking on twenty years ago, I knew nothing about energy other than you know, you flick a switch, your light comes on, you get a bill through the post every, every so often. Mm. Um, it's, it is a really complex system. Uh, and people, understandably, don't really understand it. Uh, I think that's changed somewhat, and I think people are starting to get it now. And I think there's been a realisation that the energy crisis has, in large part, been caused by gas, by fossil fuels. Mm. You know, that's been the one, the one thing that's really driven up um, energy prices. Um, and so, again, just take that one step further. Well, if we were less reliant on fossil fuels, in theory, we wouldn't have the volatility that we've got in our in our energy prices. Um, which then brings on to another point, and may or may not want to go there, uh, depending on how technical this ends up getting. Yep. But at the moment, um, wholesale energy prices are set by the whichever fuel is the... Um, Tops up the last unit of energy that we need at any one point in time. Because mm. for electricity, you know, you've got to balance. You've got to balance supply and demand. Mm. And typically, that's gas. You know, and it's an expensive gas um, generator. But the way the market works is that everybody else that's contributed to that big bucket of electricity, so that's nuclear, renewables, etc., all get the same price as the as the gas generator. And I know there's a lot of talk at the moment about decoupling that and having it such that it, that's not the case which I think in theory in really simple terms seems the right way to do it. Mm. But again, there's a lot of complexity behind it. And that's probably a level of detail beyond beyond me. I've been following a few great people on the, on LinkedIn having these debates. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but there's got to be something in there because that, that seems insane. That, you know, a wind farm, which could be selling something for £50 a megawatt hour, is getting £600 because that's what the price of the gas, you know, the gas was. Anyway. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? It's absolutely incredible just uh, how it works. And I think you are right as well in the point that you mentioned earlier about sort of investment in renewables, because um, I, th- I think there's investment there, um, but obviously it's not necessarily going into the industry in its droves. And I did actually speak to somebody who's um, a, um, a renewables expert on the program recently, and uh, they are in the uh, sort of compressed air energy storage in, um, line of work, let's say. And um, again, yeah. I mean, lead time for that and the bureaucracy you have to go through to actually get something like that up and running it's a huge problem and we sort of saw that again during uh, the premiership of Boris Johnson he was very vocal about the fact that it takes so so long to plan and construct a an onshore wind farm for example yeah. so like yeah. there's the, the layers of bureaucracy there that obviously are there set by ministers and uh, the regulators that that's probably something as well that also needs to be looked at doesn't it I think you're right. And onshore wind is notoriously difficult, um, especially in England. I think in Wales and Scotland, it's somewhat less of an issue. Mm. But in England, it's it's a, it's a real challenge. And to try and get permission, planning permission can take yeah years and years. 
and there is, there is another another factor as well which um can can have a massive issue which is location wise because mm. again in simple terms you think well you know a nice big field here we'll just stick some solar panels or, or a wind turbine it's got to be close enough to the to the grid you know, to the distribution and transmission networks mm. and if it isn't then you've got an, again you've got another big problem so it's uh, it, it, it's more complex than sometimes you you um you see i was i was speaking to somebody else actually who's um they work for a company that uh, look for land for pretty much solar TV, big solar farms on. And they were saying that, and I think this is the right way around, 70% mm. of their applications get rejected um, on the grounds of basically nimbyism, you know, not in my backyard. Yeah. Um, even though the majority of people are okay with it, uh, whether it's a local authority or whether it's, you know, a small portion of people who don't want it and, you know, their, their, their voice. Because... It's one of those, isn't it? A bit like planning permission. If your neighbour's looking to put an extension and ask ninety-nine, ask a hundred people, and ninety-nine say yes, and one says no, it, they may not well get the permission to do it. I, I, I wonder whether the future might be, and this might be draconian, and this might not be popular, but we need it. You know, we need these. Uh, we need more onshore wind. We need more solar farms. And I think, yeah, should I'd rather see a wind turbine in my backyard than a than a, a coal a coal power station. Mm. So you know. Because the thing is, all all of these challenges have solutions. Mm. We, we could we could fix it all. We could fix it all. But um, as you as you say, red tape and bureaucracy, politics a lot of the time, uh, lack of leadership at times as well. All of the above get in the way. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, that that essentially is the uh, the scale of the problem that the industry is facing, isn't it? To try and roll out green energy. So um, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how we approach this moving into the next few months and indeed years, because hopefully those layers will start to be removed. And um, just backtracking on something that we discussed a little bit earlier, I mean, we mentioned that Obviously, energy education has increased during this particular cost of living crisis and more people have also had also kind of jumped onto the climate change bandwagon, if you will, because of COVID, because that that sort of made them go out and do their research and kind of become more aware of their impact on the planet. So those events have helped. But um, I suppose from your point of view, I mean, um, starting Hope Energy for you kind of came a lot earlier, didn't Mm -hmm. it, Andy? So um, what was it that kind of made you sort of sit up and take notice and really kind of join the movement in a sense? Yeah, as every life combination of events to, to change your life pretty drastically. So I, I was, uh, in essence, you know, an IT consultant for, for, for a big four for a number of years, 16 years. And um, and I've had the idea of doing something like this for years and never never did anything about it. And I think mm. one of the drivers was I had, by, by this time when I started, I'd got two young kids. And I think that focuses the mind somewhat on, you know, what's the future going to be like when you're not around and, you know, hopefully your kids still are. And I have been, um, as I mentioned earlier, I I believe in the science behind climate change um, and and the warnings that are out there. And so we we did our things at home, my wife and I, we did our things, you know, we recycle, try not to use too much plastic and, you know, try not to use the car and use public transport, all those kind of um, yeah, micro consumerist things that you could say, yeah. but um, but I really wanted to try and do some, something more, and uh, and again without going into into the, the long 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 story, I, I ended up um, having having a chat with a, with another entrepreneur, um, and he just got a great story of starting from nothing, and then built a nice portfolio of businesses, and I thought you know if this guy can do it, then you know surely surely I can do it as well. So um, so I went back to my my boss at the time so this is in january 2020 and uh and asked if i could get made redundant 
So I could get some money and go and try and, as I said to my wife, I want to go save the world. Uh, and the one, the, the thing that I knew at the time, uh, or the one thing that I knew how to do was, was energy and energy retail, because mm. that had been a lot of where my, my background and experience had been in. And so I set off on this crazy mission, Scott, to yeah try and save the world single-handedly and uh, and set up Hope Energy. And obviously since then, since I made that decision to do that, there was a global pandemic, an energy crisis, yeah. war in Europe, the Queen's died. It, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's one thing, uh, one thing after another. But I, I really wanted to try and do something which made a difference. Um, because I think the, from the rest of my professional life, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't really, I hadn't done that. Um, I really wanted to, I could say, leave, leave a bit of a legacy. That sounds a bit grand, but you know, mm. try and try and do something, do something good. So, um, and, and where I've got to now, and, and this kind of is a little bit hot off the press and not necessarily uh, been mentioned too much in, in out externally, but uh, for, for Hope Energy, given the uncertainty in the world, we, we've decided to put a bit of a pause on it because it's just so volatile out there. Yeah, and uh, and so I'm I'm going to be starting a, a, a role. We're doing again, still in the same space. So working on the net zero transition and uh, helping organisations on on that transition. Because again, that's my that's my calling now. You know, that's what that's what I want to do. I found I found a space that where I want to stay, and yeah, try and make a positive difference. Yeah, and I suppose kind of going into that role in the meantime, while sort of your own um, your own bigger ambitions are on pause in a sense. I mean, I suppose that's kind of what you have to do, isn't it? So you know, sort of build the resilience, keep the morale high, stay in the same space and sort of just respond to the knockbacks, isn't it really? Because I mean, when they are as repeated as it seems that they have been, certainly over the last couple of years, I mean, I suppose it can be a little bit demoralising, can't it? But you know, you're still in there and you're still yeah. you're still looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, no, it, it can be. And to, to make that decision to, um, to pause was really difficult because of how much time and energy uh, you, you put into things. And, and any entrepreneur out there, I'm sure, can, can appreciate that. But, but I think, you know, there's, there's a couple of things. One, uh, as I mentioned, I've got you know, kids and I've got bills to pay and mouths to feed. Uh, but, but secondly, whilst I've really enjoyed this, this journey and hope will continue, whether it's with or without me, but hope will continue. I'm not making an, I'm not making a change at the moment because we're still, you know, pre-revenue. Whereas the new role that I'm going to be in, fortunately, um, I'm going to have that opportunity to get stuck in and hopefully make a difference. So I think, again, what whilst... Whilst, yeah, it's not the solution or the outcome that I'd, that I'd hoped for two years ago, it's still in the right direction. You know, it's still that path to helping basically us try and tackle climate change. And so I'm really, really chuffed and really fortunate as well to find the opportunity to, to still do that and, and not go back to, you know, what I used to do, which is fine, and, you know, pay the bills and everything. But again, didn't uh, didn't nourish my soul. I didn't nourish my soul. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the big messages to anybody sort of going through similar times, isn't it? I mean, make sure that you do kind of nourish your soul in that sense and just, you know, look after yourself as well and the uh, the bigger picture of things. Because I suppose in when you're sort of trying to run a business as well, you, you can be so sort of drawn into looking after everything else and I suppose neglecting the self. I mean, it does happen, doesn't it? It, it absolutely does. It, it absolutely does. And I think I'm, I'm somewhat of an idiot as well, Scott, because and the reason I say that is I've had... As you and I talked, you know, off off uh, off mic, I've had challenges with my with my mental health in, in the years gone by, mm-hmm. and know when things may be getting a bit too much or where I should, you know, backtrack somewhat. But uh, but I don't always follow my own advice. So I'm great at giving everybody else advice. You know, I take a bit of time out and you know, 
breathing exercises and whatever else, but so sometimes a bit useless in, in following my own advice. However, I am, I've certainly got a lot better over the years. And I think part of that, um, knowing yourself and, and building resilience, I was able to make this decision, the one we talked about recently. So, you know, yeah. putting, putting hope on pause and, um, and, and, and doing something else instead. And I think had, had I perhaps not had the experiences I've gone through in the past, I may not have come to that decision. You know, I may have just buried my head and hoped for the best and then it will all blow up in my face. So I think it's one of those. Uh, I'm, I think it's anyone who's who suffered with mental health issues. I think it's 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 a constant journey. Um, I, I think I'm of, I'm of the view where I'll probably never think think and feel how I used to before. You know, so I got signed off from work a few times, a couple of times, just with you know stress and anxiety and depression. So so they say. Um, and um, and I think it's one of those. Once you've gone through that, I think you're never quite the same again. Um, but, I, but on the flip side, I found it quite an empowering journey because yeah. everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. Whether whether they, it's you know they've they've had it seriously where it's impacted their you know daily lives or or not. But everyone has challenges, whether that's family, whether it's work, friends, or you know health, whatever it might be. And I think we probably going somewhat off topic here, but I think we all need to take that time to what's our stories and then you know share stories with everybody. I found when I when I almost came out, as it were, that I was I was being off, signed off with stress and was struggling. Um, the amount of people that would then approach me to say, "Oh, thanks so much for telling that story," because mm. I'm struggling as well, but I didn't want to mention it because you know didn't want to feel bad or come across as weak uh, or because it is it is, it is a journey. And I, I went mm. through. I was I was embarrassed the first time I admitted to people I've been signed off with stress, but um, but again, you know, I think in in this day and age with pandemics, energy crises, cost of living, the Queen passing, I guess that's had a big impact on a lot of people. I think more more impact than a lot of people thought it would. The people who perhaps even aren't that, you know, mm. pro-royal, I think everybody's been been feeling it. I think it's really important for us all to, to tell our stories. And if, you, if you're lucky enough to have, you know, a better half or, or, a, or a good friend or, you know, your family, yeah, just make sure everyone's okay. You know, ask them how they are and tell them how you are. So there's a lot to be said for that. Absolutely food for thought for anybody tuning into this particular podcast today. And if uh, you are somebody who has been affected by any issue that we've discussed today, if you're active in the energy industry or, you know, you have faced your own mental health issues, then please, by all means, do visit leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us to leave a comment. Or if you are the head of an organisation yourself, you run your own business um, and uh, you have your own story to come and share with us on any of these issues or even your own matters, then do apply to be on the programme yourself via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply because we certainly would love to uh, to hear from you and uh, just before we um we wrap up on the show today actually Andy just because I'm conscious that we are running short of time um I know obviously that hope's on pause at the moment and you're venturing into this new role in the meantime but if you could look ahead 12 months from now where ideally would you like everything to be do you think so uh, not for me personally but for the for the world um I want to be contributing to this, you know, to the world. Mm-hmm. So I think that in, in 12 months' time, what I'd like to be seeing is, I suppose it's a lot of what we've talked about. I, I really hope that when we get more detail on the government's plans and or that they pivot and, and change somewhat, the insulation point has got to be a really, really key one. We need to insulate mm-hmm. homes, especially those who are on the, you know, the, um, the lowest living standards and, and, and who are going to be struggling the most. We absolutely need to do that. We need to 
build more renewables. We need to build more storage so that we can store renewables. Uh, and, I, and I really think it's a mistake to be drilling more oil and gas because, again, I think it's going to cost a lot of money. I don't think it's going to actually make a big difference anyway, as I say, it's dropped in the ocean. So I hope uh, in, in some ways we, we scale back on that. And uh, and there's a clear plan and a clear trajectory, teasing, trajectory for us getting to net zero much, much quicker. So again, I'd, that's what I'd like to. That's what I'd like to see. And let's hope so as well. And uh, I think as we start to see, you know, the fog lifting on that and what the government's going to uh, to do, then we could even maybe catch up and reassess this to see how things are going and how maybe things behind the scenes for you are sort of transpiring as well, Andy. Love um, to. Yeah, but for now, um, thanks ever so much for joining us on the uh, the show. It's been a fantastic discussion and brilliant yeah. having you on to talk all things energy and all things mental health as well in your journey. Yeah, and, uh, I'm not sure how we got there, but yeah, my pleasure, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, always fantastic. And uh, by all means as well, do take care and uh, do stay safe with all that's still going on as well cheers thanks Yep, and to everybody tuning into this podcast, I do hope that you've thoroughly enjoyed the interview with Hope Energy UK's Andy Colton today. And obviously, best of luck to him in uh, bringing the business to fruition in, uh, in uh, later years. Um, and for now, everybody, um, you've been tuning into the Leaders' Council podcast, and I have been your host, Scott Chaloner, today. Uh, do take care all, and goodbye until next time.